What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wildlife Control Podcast. My name is Kyle Waltz, and this is episode 16. On this episode, I'm going to pull back the curtain and share with y'all some of my biggest financial lessons in running a wildlife control business. And I'm not going to talk too much about revenue. I want to talk today about expenses and how to overcome you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at running a wildlife control business, and it really depends on your goals, like we talked about in the last episode. But in this one, I really just want to dive into not spending money when you don't need to. And, you know, that's that's the life and blood of your company. And there's a, there's so many different ways to do this, but these are some things that I've learned. These are some mistakes that I've made. And we're going to jump into them right away. You know, I think when you get to a point and you're ready to hire people, the the first person that you're probably going to hire in your business is going to be a technician. That's going to be out there. They're going to be producing. They're going to be getting work done. And somewhere down the line, maybe after your, your third employee or your second employee, depending on where you're at in your business, you're you're going to want to hire someone to answer the phones. And, you know, looking back, I think it was pretty smart for me to hire somebody to answer the phones. However, I I didn't really take the time to look at what my options were. And not knowing anybody that was running a business like like mine, I didn't have anybody to reach out to. And I I probably should have just went to the internet and Googled different options for hiring your first employee. And I would have found outsourcing. And for those of you who do not know what outsourcing is, it's basically hiring a company to do a job within your business for you. Basically from, for me, from 2014, or 13, all the way through 2019, we had offices. Uh, we had people in those offices. Their their primary duty was to answer the phone, take information from customers, whether they're current or new, and get that information out to a technician, salesperson, or manager, and then have them deal with that. And they also dealt with the administrative side of the business, which is extremely important. Earlier, fast forward to this year, and we don't have anybody in our company that answers the phone. We, we outsource that activity. And the cost difference is unbelievable. And when you think about hiring a full-time employee to answer your phones you're probably not going to be able to pay them less than a couple of thousand dollars a month. I, I, I mean, just think about it. You know, whether they're making, you're, you're probably not going to want to hire somebody that's only getting paid eight, ten dollars an hour. You want it to be somebody that's very professional, that's skilled, that knows a little bit about customer service and has a little bit of experience with customer service. And it's a, it's a big thing to delegate in your business. And it's kind of scary if you've never done it before. But I had hired somebody in-house to do these things for me. And it went really, really well for many years. 
But looking back now, I realize I love those people that work for me. And I, I got to build some great relationships. However, it just wasn't 100% necessary. It was an unnecessary expense. And, and just to kind of give you a perspective, there was a time um, where I had as many as four people answering the phone. And the salaries for those people ranged anywhere from 25000 up to $40,000 a year. So you can do the math on that. It, it cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month for me to have people answering the phones for uh, up to 14 locations that we were running at a time. And fast forward to today, where we have over 10 locations, you know, it fluctuates month by month, but we have over 10 locations and we don't have anybody answering the phone. And it doesn't cost us tens of thousands of dollars to answer the phone. Our bill last month to answer the phone for over 10 locations was $1,600. $1,600 to take all the calls for 10 over 10 locations. And the beautiful thing about a answering service is if they have the right software, you can log in at any time. You can see a minute by minute transcript of every call that came in, what the person's name was, where they were, what number they called from, and you can verify that that message got out to the right person. That is a mistake that I made early on, is not figuring that out. And, and when you think about how much money that would have saved me, you know, even if I was saving only three or four thousand dollars a month over the past four or five years, that's a lot of money, and and that money could have been used for other things to help us grow our business. And I think there's a lot of different options out there. Uh, you should do your research. You should look at reviews. You should look at ones that are maybe in your time zone. Um, but there's a lot of options out there with answering services. And in our line of work, we get a lot of calls. You know, once you get those leads coming in really, really heavy and you got a lot of opportunities, you're, you're taking a lot of calls. And that is an easy thing to pass up on. And, and to top it off, I know some very large companies that have reached out to me, actually, and uh, just asked us and curious, hey, who, what answering service do you all use? They noticed we used an answering service. And they asked us because they were going to transition to an answering service. And these are companies, by the way, that are doing over $200 million a year that I was talking to. So the fact that they are interested in doing that or have been doing it in the past tells me I am on the right track there. We use American answering services. Okay, we're not, we're not hiring anybody over in India or China. Um, or, or anywhere outside of the U.S. You know, I'm a U.S. guy, so we're going to use U.S. people. But uh, very affordable, very cost-efficient, very effective, saves you a lot of money, and I can't imagine ever going back to having a bunch of people answering the phone for us unless the answering service is just screwing up and, and not working well for us. So, you know, when you're starting out, that's an early expense, it's going to save you a ton of money. How about the cost of leads? You know, we know whenever we engage 
in a lead generation service of what the quote unquote cost per call or cost per lead or cost per click is. But what you need to do as an operator is actually know what your real cost per lead is. And you do that by making note of every actual lead that you're getting and putting that into a CRM or some type of data management system or a spreadsheet or whatever works best for you. And then at the end of the month, you know what your cost was to buy those leads and you divide that by the number of real leads that you had. And that's going to tell you what your real cost per lead is. It might take you a few months to accumulate that information to where it's accurate. But when you know the real cost of a wildlife control lead, it allows you to make very good decisions going forward and growing your business so that you understand what your budget's going to be. And obviously every lead generation system is going to be different, but for the system that you're using, that you like, that's effective for your business, by paying close attention to those leads, you're going to be able to identify, does this system work or doesn't, or does it not work? Because if you're paying, you know, 60, a hundred dollars per real lead, you might be losing money on that. And, uh, you don't want to get that out of hand. You want to watch it carefully because maybe it goes up and you should watch that every month because if one month it's $60 a lead and the next month it's $20 a lead, why is the cost different? What happened there? What What is that company doing that's marketing the business changing? And are they changing in the right direction or are they changing in the wrong direction? So having that information at your fingertips is going to allow you as an operator to make the right decisions to grow your business and budget going forward. Now, this is this is something, this is the third thing, and this is about employees being able to make purchases. When I really started to grow my business in 2017, we opened up 10 locations in 10 months. We had an American Express account and we got every employee an American Express employee card. That may have been the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> I, I trusted people way too much. And to no fault of their own, I think that most of the people that had those cards, they did not have bad intentions. They weren't out to get us. They weren't trying to steal from us, although a few of them definitely did. They were just doing what they thought was best, and what they thought was best wasn't always the right thing to do. Fast forward into 2018, and I started really watching that bill get bigger and bigger and bigger, and our revenue wasn't. It was because I think employees that had been with us for a little bit longer, they had a little bit more comfort and maybe they realized we weren't watching it as closely as we should. You know, when you're really, really busy and you're growing like crazy, there's so much going on. There's so many moving parts. And sometimes it's hard to sit down and go through receipts from 10 branches if you don't have a CFO or a controller there that's that's closely watching all of that stuff to identify what purchases are legit and what purchases are just fat that needs to be cut out. And we had a lot of fat. We had we had, you know, for example, a technician goes out on a job 
and he forgets the drill. He leaves the drill in a crawl space. He leaves the drill in the bushes somewhere. He loses the drill, or maybe the drill gets stolen. So he goes and he buys another drill. And, and then maybe this employee has a habit of forgetting things. He, he loses some, some uh, uh, roll of hardware cloth. He loses a box of screws. He loses a catch pole. He loses a trap, whatever. These things really add up and they affect your bottom line. And he's not doing it on purpose. He's just maybe a little scatterbrained. And because of that, you're having to pay for it. So having the right things in place there to make sure your employees are held accountable, and then only allowing a select few people to make decisions on those purchases, preferably a manager, and have all those expenses roll through the manager. So one thing that we do, as far as for our smaller things, if we just if a technician just needs extra screws or whatever, and he's in a he's in a different state, and he just needs to go up to Home Depot to get screws. We have him go through the contractor lane at Home Depot or we'll pre-order stuff for them so they can just go and pick it up. And then when the the cashier says, hey, we have um, little Jimmy here that wants to buy some, is buying, making a purchase here, we ask the cashier, what is Jimmy buying? And they can say, oh, Jimmy's buying screws, he's got some Red Bull, he's got a candy bar, he's got a bag of chips, and he's got this brand of caulk. We're able to say, no, 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 do not get that brand of caulk. He doesn't need any caulk. He doesn't need foam. He doesn't need all that food. Get all of that off of the bill, and then you can check him out. So doing that really got rid of a lot of fat. So um, a short story, us getting rid of employees' ability to buy expenses saved my company in 2019 $300,000. Yeah. That's that's how much fat was being purchased on a monthly basis um, at Home Depot and in various stores. There was definitely some theft in there. I, I don't know how much exactly the theft was. We had an employee that was, uh, he owned some rental properties and he was using his company American Express to buy different hardware and tools and, uh, you know, materials to fix up his rental properties. Um, obviously, we put an end to that very quickly. So you got to be really, really careful there. And it, it's not because you can't trust your employees. It's just because their mindset going in there is not going to be the same as yours as the owner. And then the managers that are in charge of that technician or that salesperson or whoever that is that's going out there and doing those purchases they need to be held accountable on a monthly basis to identify that those expenses that happened, you got to do it. You got to sit down and look through them. Those expenses that happened, you have receipts for them. Um, you have identified that the stuff that they bought is within the company's guidelines. And an easy way to identify your company's guidelines is to sit down and think about every single item that your company is going to buy on a regular basis. Put it into a spreadsheet and we call it an authorized purchase form. Our managers know that they can buy anything on that form without approval. And if there's anything outside of that form that they need to buy, they actually have to call me and they have to ask me. And, and it just gives us an idea of, okay, what are we? And the reason I want them to go through me is so 
if it's a, if it's a new product that we're having to buy regularly, I'm going to add it to that sheet. But I, I want to know. I just want to know what's going on in my business, and it helps me make good decisions going forward in terms of of purchases. And one one piece of advice with you know your your regular supplies that you're buying to do exclusion work and trapping and things like that, you really should shop around. And you should buy in bulk if you can. You know, one thing that most of us can certainly afford, but we may not do, is buying hardware cloth in bulk. If you do a lot of exclusion work, you run through a lot of hardware cloth. And if you're going to your hardware store to buy hardware cloth, you're getting ripped off. If you buy it in bulk on Amazon or one of the other uh, suppliers that, that actually build hardware cloth, you will save a ton of money. Just make sure you keep that stuff dry so it doesn't go bad. But buying hardware cloth in bulk has saved me so much money. Um, when you're going out and you're hiring people, you should make sure that you also, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, I just kind of wrote these down as they came to my head. But when you hire people, you should definitely make sure you have the proper employment agreements in place. Look at the other wildlife control companies out there. Look at what they're paying. There's a reason why they're paying that. If they're a bigger company, your True Techs, your Critter Controls, um, your, your other big wildlife companies, what are they paying their people? There's probably a reason why they pay what they pay. Are they paying hourly? Are they paying production? Are they paying commission? Salary, whatever it is, identify that. Write down the pros and the cons, and you should also go and consult with a uh, employee attorney and a CPA in regards to employees' pay and the agreements there to make sure everything is legit with the IRS and you're not going to get into any trouble. Otherwise, that will cost you money. I know that from experience. So, Make sure you have the proper employment agreements in place, the proper non-competes in place, etc. That's going to prepare you for the future, and it's going to be very, very valuable. And it's it's kind of crappy because it does take a lot of time to get all that stuff straightened out. And realistically, you should get all that straightened out before you start growing, but it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you just start growing a lot without even expecting it. And now you got to figure out all this, all this other stuff. So making sure that you have the right employment agreements in place, they're going to save you a lot of money. And when I say save you a lot of money, it's going to make sure you're not overpaying your employees, you're not underpaying your employees, that you're legal, and then it's going to protect you in the event you get sued. So the market is the market. Look at what everybody's paying. Identify what's reasonable, what works in your business, what works with the revenue that you have bringing in and you can make sure you make the right decisions as you uh, grow. How about not being too fancy? You know, buying brand new stuff isn't always the best way. I think your company's image is extremely important. And if, if you do decide to go out and, uh, you know, buy brand new stuff, at least take the time to shop around and make sure that stuff is the best price possible. But I think your your image is important. But most of our customers, they 
they they do care about your image. I think they more care about how professional you are rather than how shiny your products are and how new they are. They just want to make sure that you're going to do what you say you're going to do and you're going to get the job done. That's it. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. The job's going to get done. Their problem is going to get solved. And that's it. You don't have to go out and buy all of these fancy traps and fancy materials and all of these things that might not help you drive in more revenue. You know, if it's a tool that's going to allow you to get jobs done faster, yes, that makes a ton of sense. But if it's not, if it's not going to help you resolve problems faster and have better results, then you probably shouldn't buy it because it's probably not necessary. You know, the unnecessary purchases, don't look at them as a one-time thing. Look at them as an annual cost. What is it costing me to consistently buy these little unnecessary purchases throughout the year. And that's going to affect a lot of different things. That's going to obviously affect your P&L. That's going to affect your business in the event you want to sell it. And that's going to affect your cash flow. So identify the fat. What am I buying right now that's completely unnecessary? Maybe I've been buying traps from a particular company and I have found them somewhere else cheaper. You should shop around. You should shop around regularly too. And also, you know, unless you're growing really, really fast, you should be able to reuse your traps, your traps for raccoons and possums and skunks and things like that. You should be able to reuse them and you should become familiar with repairing those traps if anything breaks. We repair our traps and we continue to use them over and over and over again. And we don't have to buy traps very often. Once we get a territory established, and we identify how many uh, raccoon problems and skunk problems and armadillo problems we're going to be having in those markets, We'll once we get the right number of traps, we're able to rotate those because we're solving the problems and we're moving on. And we're, we're, we're picking them up and putting them on to the next customer. So, you know, that initial cost of, of building a trap inventory is going to be there, of course. But then after that, you should be able to maintain those traps for a while. And I know that sometimes traps are just not repairable. But you should try and repair them whenever you can. And then, of course, test them and make sure they're still working on a regular basis. And that's going to save you a ton of money. And, and going back to being too fancy, you know, for since 2013, I've, I've worked in an office. I uh, didn't work from home. I worked in an office, and that allowed me to have a place that, employees could meet up with me. They weren't meeting me at my house. They weren't disturbing my neighbors. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a more professional environment. Going back to outsourcing, though, one thing that we do now is we are affiliated with, or we're a member, rather, of a, um, like a, a, I don't know what you call it. It's just an office that anybody can use. So you pay a fee as you want to use it. You know, it's it's a monthly fee and you pay based off of how much you use that space. We don't have any of our tools there. We don't have any of our supplies there, but we're able to go in there and utilize that space to have meetings, to have job interviews, whatever it might be. And uh, it's way more affordable than having an office with a lease that you might not be able to break without paying a, a large fee. 
and it gives us a lot of flexibility. And obviously, you will get to a point where you do have to have uh, a storage area for all your supplies. But for if you're running multiple smaller locations, which is what we're doing, we're running locations with anywhere from one to you know eight people. We don't really need a lot of supplies. You can get a storage unit and hold your supplies in there, and you can get a storage unit and pay you know a hundred bucks a month to keep all of your supplies in there. You don't need to be spending thousands of dollars a month for an office, although people like it. And I'll, unless you have a lot of people working in an office, so because I've I've done both things. I've done the office thing, and now we don't do the office. the The company that I sold, First Coast Wildlife and Expel, to McCall. We still have an office there, and I go in there. But the rest of my business that's outside of Florida, I'm running that, and I'm running that remotely. Um, and my my entire team is all remote. They work from home. They work from anywhere that they want. The the management team, and the guys that are managing employees, they're of course in that city, and they do meetings at at various places. Um, like I said, we have the the office that we have access to when we want it. But we don't have anybody sitting there full time waiting around. Um, we have meetings at particular times. And if employees out in the field need anything, the manager jumps out in the field and goes and meets up with them somewhere. Um, so they don't have to go to their house. But you don't need an office if you're running a super small business unless you just want to be fancy and waste money. I think there will come a time where you do need one uh, if you have a lot of people that are working together. But, you know, after all this COVID stuff, everybody had to work remotely and a lot of people are still working remotely and they're saying, to heck with the lease. We're going to cancel it. We're not really worried about it. So buying brand new stuff, having an office, you know, all these things that really just aren't necessary. If you can figure out a way to run your business efficiently without an office and without the, the fancy stuff, you should. Because again, it's going to save you a lot of money. And I know that there's pros and cons with working remotely versus an office, and uh, you should take the time to do your research. But we have found so far, I've been running a business remotely that's in another state um, all this year, and uh, we have not seen any changes in our revenue and our profitability, nothing. Everything's been flowing just fine. You should utilize points, cash back from credit cards and different memberships to get cash back in your business. I'm so surprised when I have conversations with people and they look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, if you travel a lot for work, you can you can double dip here. If you have a credit card that gets cash back and you're a member to a specific hotel brand, um, like I'm a member to Hyatt. So when I travel for work, if I get to go on a work trip, I use my credit card that gets cash back. I book it with with the the Hyatt, which I get points with, and all that stuff really adds up. And throughout the year, I will have multiple stays. I'll probably have five to ten nights a year, if not more, that are completely free because I'm utilizing those points in the cash back system. Um, with my credit cards and my memberships to those hotels. And you should definitely become a member to NACOA, National Wildlife Control Operators Association. There's a huge amount of benefits to becoming a member there. 
more discounts with car rentals. Um, there's discounts there with wildlife control supplies. And more than anything, there's discount with insurance. The cost of insurance for our business today compared to last, or not last year, but years, I would say 2018 and back. We changed it in 2019. It's amazing. It is unbelievable. And I know that some of you have clients that require much bigger insurance. And, you know, we can talk about that a little bit. You, you should be careful. If, if you have a client that requires a certain amount of insurance and it makes your, your cost of insurance go way up, you should identify is that increase in insurance over the, over the year or years equal to less than or greater than the cost of that job. So for instance, I had a job that was like a $30,000 or $40,000 job that we had sold a few years ago. And the client says, look, we'll do it with you guys, but you guys got to get better insurance. The cost of the insurance over the next 12 months was actually more than the job. So we lost money on that deal. So my, my intention was, oh, okay, no big deal. We'll just go out and get more jobs that require this insurance that nobody else can bid on. Guess what? We lost our ass on that. We, we didn't find any other jobs that required that high level of insurance. You know, we were doing business with a Fortune 500 company and it was industrial and it was ridiculous. And looking back, we just should have said, too bad. We're, we're not going to do that. And we would have left that money on the table. The salesperson would have been pissed, of course, because he had this deal ready to go. But you, you do have to look at those things. So, you know, insurance is a factor. All of your recurring bills are super important. And you need to scrutinize those bills and identify, are we overpaying for any of these things? Because if you know it's going to be coming out of your account every month, you should look into that. You should definitely look into that. And I know there's a lot of other things that I did not go over today, but I just wanted to throw some of these things at you guys to give you a better perspective of looking at your business financially. And I know that running a wildlife control business is, is so tough and it's so hectic and it's fast paced and that's why I love it. But these things right here will save you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Um, I know that if I would have made some of these changes early on, I would have millions more and uh, it definitely makes a difference. So watch these things. It's going to help your cash flow. It's going to allow you to put more money back into your business where it matters to grow and expand and uh, be more successful. So good luck.